You stand on the shore of the ocean watching the tide come in. You sense the call of the sea beckoning to take you further. You step forward little by little, not knowing what to expect, but expecting more. You keep going as the ocean calls, calls you to enter in to deeper waters. Hello everyone and welcome to the Deeper Waters Podcast. I'm Nick Peters, your host, seeking to bring you the very best of Christian scholarship and apologetics, and today is no exception. We're going to have an hour-long show today due to the time restraints of my guests, but we're talking about books. One of my favorite topics to talk about. And how, how can we go about getting good books? How can we learn about books that we should read and such? Where, to help with that, I've brought on my friend Dr. Rob Bowman from the Apologetics Book Club. Who is he? Dr. Rob Bowman Jr. is an evangelical Christian apologist, biblical scholar, author, editor, and lecturer. For over 10 years, he served as the executive director of the Institute for Religious Research based in Cedar Springs, Michigan, IRR.org. He has lectured on biblical studies, religion, and apologetics at Biola University, Cornerstone University, and New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. He's the author of over 60 articles and the author or co-author of 13 books including Pointing Jesus in This Place, The Case for the Deity of Christ, co-author of J. Ed Komazuski, and Faith Has Its Reasons, Integrative Approaches to Defending the Christian Faith, co-author of Kenneth D. Boa. His newest book, Jesus, Resurrection, and Joseph's Visions, Examining the Foundations of Christianity and Mormonism, is forthcoming in late 2019. And I really hope we'll have him on here to talk about that book because that is one topic I'm definitely interested in. He holds an MA and PhD degrees in Biblical Studies from Florida Theological Seminary and South African Theological Seminary. Dr. Bowman is widely regarded as a leading evangelical scholar addressing the uses and interpretation of the Bible by Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. He leads the Apologetics Book Club on Facebook and blogs at robertbowman.net. Dr. Bowman, welcome back to the Deeper Waters Podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Now, if my audience doesn't know much about you, tell us a, bit, a little bit about how you got to be doing what you're doing. Uh, well, when I was a young adult, I was uh, trying to figure out uh, what I believed, because I didn't really know what to believe as a young Christian. And I got involved in some lengthy uh, uh, discussions with Jehovah's Witnesses for several months uh, before I finally came to the conclusion uh, that what they taught was not biblical, but it was difficult. And ever since then, I've had an interest in dealing with the uh, biblical interpretations of groups like Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Oneness Pentecostals, Unitarians, etc., uh, dealing especially with their Christologies uh, and with their uh, views in opposition to the doctrine of the Trinity. I've also been more broadly interested in biblical interpretation and in defense of the historical and theological reliability of the Bible. Uh, so uh, that those are the, the issues that have really interested me and uh, so for 35 years I've been formally involved in Christian apologetics ministries uh, one place then another and uh, it's it's pretty much what I love to do so uh, that's that's what I do I'm kind of curious do you ever still have Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons come to your house 
You know, uh, they have not come to the house very often here. It may just be the part of the country where I am, mm -hmm. but I haven't seen very much of them, uh, at least not at the doorstep. Yeah, we just moved to a new apartment complex back in May, and so I'm really hoping that they allowed Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses to come in, because I'm definitely looking forward to time getting to talk with some of them again. It, it, it's just like Christmas whenever they come by for me. <laughs> Well, we, we have some interesting discussions. I, I did have a Jehovah's Witness, uh, a pair of uh, men come to the door last year. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, as very often happened, uh, the uh, older gentleman was sort of in charge and the younger one was, uh, you know, the, the neophyte was there to learn uh, how to go about it. and. Uh, the, the older one quickly decided uh, that I was a bad uh, person and they uh, they skedaddled but uh, mm -hmm. that happens mm -hmm. um, uh, but it, it's uh, uh, you know they're really on the defensive now because uh, Jehovah's Witnesses have been rocked by scandals the last 20 years they've had to downsize considerably they've lost a lot of members uh, and things are, you know they're they're uh, besides the scandals, their prophetic chronological speculations didn't pan out, and uh, again, and so those things have been very difficult, and they have actually uh, not been doing very well numerically, uh, especially in the uh, uh, United States, uh, North America, broadly speaking, and Western Europe. They're not doing well at all. Mm -hmm. Now, they're doing very well in some other parts of the world. They're growing quite a bit in Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, and in some parts of Asia, uh, but in uh, the West, mm -hmm. uh, not so much. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember hearing some about, hearing about some when I went to seminary that before I got there, there was a time that some of the professor's wives met with the, some of the uh, wives of the students and such, you know, give them tips on marriage life and such, and relating to a seminarian, and a lot of it, I understand, was good generic advice you'd find anywhere. But one lady got up and gave this interesting piece of wisdom to the women. Make peace with the books. Does that seem appropriate <laughs> for seminarians, wives to hear, or they need to make peace with the books? Right. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's true. Um, most... Uh uh, of my closest friends have uh, an awful lot of books in their homes and uh, I guess um, I guess many of those I guess a majority of those are men but increasingly that's true for women uh, mm -hmm. as well I know several women who love books and collect them just like uh, you know the typical male uh, theologian or apologist uh, does and uh, so what, that's one of the really great developments in the last uh, several years is that there's been an increased interest among women in Christian apologetics and in Christian theology and biblical studies. And uh, we want to encourage that because <clears throat> something like 51 or 52 percent of people in our country are female and, and uh, they need to know that the Bible is uh, affirming of uh, women's dignity and uh, and honors them and teaches us to honor them and uh, and that there are answers to their questions and their concerns uh, very much so. And so uh, uh, I'm excited about the fact that uh, there's growing interest in Christian apologetics among both men and women, 
uh, today. And, and an area where more of us need to uh, really spend time is just in reading good books on these subjects. Because as you know, Nick, uh, we're in fast uh, in, uh, seeing uh, books being displaced in people's uh, knowledge banks uh, by sound bites and memes online. Yeah. And you can't learn very much from a meme. Nope. I say memes can be good illustrations of arguments, make a good humorous point, but they can't be the arguments themselves. That's that's generally the case, yes, exactly. And to get back uh, to your point to get back to your point about women, we've had a number of women actually on the show, Mary Jo Sharp, Hardy Ordway, Nancy Piercy, Gretchen Passantino before she passed away. We we're going to have Hero Ferrer on last week, but she got sick and such. I'm very happy to see women rising up in the ranks here. Yes. So books are uh, a stock in trade for those of us who are into apologetics, and that's why I started that apologetics book club on Facebook. So why do you think books matter so much? I mean, can't you just go and like Google everything and learn it all that way? Well, of course, there are whole books online, so you can read books online. But uh, so I'm not necessarily, uh, uh, you know, insistent on the paper, uh, the hard, you know, paper copies of, of things. But uh, books are important because in a book, an author is able to develop points and develop arguments in greater detail. Uh, than what you can do uh, in in an in an article or a Facebook post or something like that. Uh, so it's very important that people read books because in a book you have a, a well-developed case that can be presented. You can deal with specific objections. You can deal with uh, you know questions or problems that people have. Uh, it. You know, and books tend to be written over a longer period of time based on substantial amounts of time invested in the subject even before the author begins to write the book. So it's a good book is very well considered, very well thought through, uh, typically uh, much better organized and uh, uh, well researched and well documented. Uh, than, you know, perhaps your typical online article on a website, although those can be very good. So this isn't about knocking good resources of any kind. Uh, there are good YouTube videos. There are good articles. Uh, there's even a few good memes out there. But uh, there's really no substitute for reading a good book that, uh, you know, for 100 or 200 pages or more, uh, thoroughly uh, delves into a topic in a deeper way than you can in an article. Now, I know there seems to be some sort of allergy to reading by a lot of people today, especially when I encounter, interestingly enough, internet atheists who seem to think that they're the be-all and end-all of learning, and yet the main topic question I seem to ask so many sometimes is, when was the last time you read an academic book on a topic that disagreed with you? Very rarely do I get an answer to that. It's like there's some great fear of contrary thought out there. Yes. Well, and, you know, there are Christians that are allergic to anything that might disagree with what they already believe. And mm -hmm. 
sometimes that's simply because they're afraid or they don't think that they would be able to handle it or, or know what to do with it. Uh, but in some cases, uh, they're actually taught, uh, you know, you shouldn't read X, Y, or Z. You know, I, I go at this a very different way. I think that we want to expose people to false doctrine. We want to expose people to skepticism in an environment where they're free to ask questions, where they're encouraged to be critical thinkers, uh, because that will, if you will, inoculate them against uh, the skepticism when they get to a weak point in their life where maybe emotionally they're interested in abandoning the Christian faith because they're not enjoying it or something like that. Uh, rather, let Let's uh, let's look at those objections. Let's uh, let's read Richard Dawkins. Uh, let's you know let's be exposed to these ideas as well as reading good Christian books that discuss these issues in depth. And that way, people will really have a solid base of understanding, a foundation of understanding that goes beyond the superficial. Now, I, I should mention this before we go any further, Nick, and that is that of course. It's vitally important that people read the Bible itself, and that they read the Bible as books. The Bible is not given to us on little flashcards of thoughts for the day, even though we can manufacture those and use those to help remind us of key points. That's not the form in which God gave us the the Word of God. Uh, He gave us the Word of God in books, uh, in, in letters and gospels and histories, and poetry and songs and we need to read those and we need to read them in context and become familiar with the bible as a collection of books and so really that's where a christian's education needs to begin so when we talk about books outside the bible we're talking about for those who are uh hopefully uh you know pretty well familiarized with the bible itself we want to encourage them to go beyond that even and to read good christian books that explain things in the Bible, that help people understand the Bible better, that help people understand uh, the differences between what biblical Christianity teaches and that of other religions and the like. Hi, this is Jay Warner Wallace. If you're a fan of clear thinking and of being able to make the case for what you believe as a Christian, to be able to make the case for truth, well, this is a great place to learn how to do that. This is Deeper Waters with Nick Peters. Nick has a number of great guests on his show, and I've been just honored to be one of those guests. So if you want to carve some time to be able to become a better Christian case maker, this is the way to do it, right here at Deeper Waters with Nick Peters. You know, I was getting ready to ask you something about that as well, because I can imagine some Christians could be saying, well, are you saying we need to read other books because the Bible is insufficient, that you can't understand the Word of God on your own? Is God that bad a communicator? And sadly, I know many atheists who have the exact same mindset. So, anyway, geez, is this what you're saying, that the Bible is insufficient, that you can't really study it on your own? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, however, uh, it's not that the Bible is insufficient, it's that the Bible was never meant to function, as you put it, on its own, but it is meant to be read by Christians in community with one another, and with the help of people who are especially adept at understanding it and explaining it. Uh, the Bible itself tells us that God has given to the Church teachers 
who are especially gifted at verbally explaining uh, what is in the Bible. Uh, mm -hmm. So if we don't avail ourselves of that, we're saying that the Bible is wrong there when it tells us that we should uh, learn from teachers that God has given to the church. Books by Christian authors are simply a way for those Christian teachers to extend their teaching beyond the uh, immediate physical confines of the classroom or the, the Sunday school room or the the, the uh, congregation that they're in. It's a way for them to be able to help teach other Christians who may never meet that person uh, physically in, you know, in the same room. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're not saying that something is missing in the Bible, but the Bible, uh, Christians don't historically believe that the Bible is the only uh, thing that Christians should learn from or read, but that it is the authority by which everything else that we read, hear, listen to, see, should be uh, evaluated, should be tested. So uh, there's nothing wrong with reading other books. It's encouraged. Uh, we're encouraged to listen to other teachers, uh, to read, uh, to hear uh, from others who are gifted, uh, but we do that, and then we compare what they say with the Bible, just like the uh, Berean Jews did in Acts 17:11 when Paul and Barnabas came to Berea. Uh, Luke tells us that the uh, Bereans were noble-minded because they uh, eagerly examined the scriptures to see whether what Paul and Barnabas was sa were saying was true. So, uh, and of course, they turned out to be apostles. Uh, but we we test everything. Uh, and we, we hold fast to what is good, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5. But that doesn't mean we can't avail ourselves of good teaching materials in the form of books, articles, or whatever it might be. So you're saying you can be a good Protestant Christian, for my Protestant or holding to Sola Scriptura and still reading other books? Uh, not only can you be, I, I would say that if you're going to be a solid, maturing uh, Protestant evangelical Christian, you need to be uh, receiving teaching uh, from people who are uh, called and gifted as teachers, whether that's in the form of a Sunday school lesson at church, or in the form of an article that you read online, or in the form of a book that you pick up and read, mm -hmm. uh, all of, or a YouTube video where the teacher is teaching. Uh, these are all different modes of communication, but they're the same thing. And since the New Testament tells us that God has given us people to do that, uh, we're not being faithful to Scripture if we don't avail ourselves and support those people who are doing that teaching. You know, when we're talking about other mediums one can learn from, I, I think it's worth mentioning that there are some uh, podcasts that we can learn from as well. Uh, I have one just jumping into mind for some reason right now. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. Podcasts, I mean, there's many different media now mm -hmm. by which people can learn. And God has called us to uh, to support those people whom He has called to to do that, to learn from them, and to support what they do. Mm. And so uh, that's part of part of being a, a growing, maturing Christian is being involved in that, learning from people that we can learn from, and sharing that information with others, and supporting those people who are doing it. Those are those are vital functions of Christian discipleship. You know, it's getting easier and easier to read books, actually, because now you can read books on a Kindle if you want to. If you have a commute where you drive to work, you can get audiobooks and read them that way. Heck, I have a 
That's right. I've, listened, I've listened to books while playing games before. I mean, it, it's a great way to just do two different things at once. Some people listen to books while they're exercising at the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's a matter of, do you want to spend the time doing this? I mean, I know a lot of people who say, I don't have time to read Christian books, but they have time to watch TV. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it, I'm not saying anything against watching TV. I watch TV, but it's a matter of your priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like to have some downtime and such, too. There are times that, you know, what Ecclesiastes says, too much studying will make you tired and such. And heck, even Thomas Aquinas back years ago said, the Christian needs time to play. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And, of course, for you and, and me, Nick, uh, mm-hmm. reading sometimes feels like playing because yes. we enjoy it. So. But many people don't. Uh, and that's understandable. Uh, not everybody is a reader. But everybody can you know, who, who is able to read at all is able to read something. And so, you know, my, my encouragement to uh, folks is don't compare yourself to other people. But uh, but make a goal that you're going to do a little bit more reading in the future than you've been doing. So if you haven't read a Christian book in ten years, uh, make up your mind. I'm going to before this year is out. I'm going to read one good Christian book, you know. And that that's a that's a reasonable goal. You don't have to do it all in one sitting. Uh, if you read one or two Christian books a year and you wish you wish you read more. Don't despair because you're not like uh, your pastor friend who reads a book every week. Uh, don't don't compare yourself to that person. Just say, okay, I'm going to try to read one a month. And that could make a huge difference in a person's life uh, in terms of how much they come to understand and, and appreciate and how deeper their understanding of the Christian faith can be just by reading maybe one book a month. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we do on the Apologetics Book Club, we don't do this every month, but on several months what we've done is we've highlighted one particular book for that month, and we've encouraged people to become familiar with that book or that author, and 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 that way we, we try to draw attention to certain uh, resources that, that some people know about and some people don't. Okay, so tell me about the Apologetics Book Club exactly, then. What is it? It, the, the Apologetics Book Club is a Facebook group, and that's all it is. It's a, it's very simply a Facebook group. You go to Facebook and you type in the search bar "Apologetic Book Club." You shouldn't have any trouble finding it. Uh, it's a uh, it's an op- it's an open Facebook group where you can join, and you can uh, read what other people are saying. And if you want to comment, you can. You don't have to. Uh, we do ask people to let us know that they are Christians, uh, and because this isn't a debate uh, group for Christians debating atheists or uh, debating people of other religious beliefs, it's a it's a group for Christians uh, to have fellowship with one another who are interested in apologetics and in books. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, if you qualify uh, in those regards, uh, there's no educational requirement, nothing like that, no obligations to do anything or to buy anything. Uh, you just join the group and you can uh, lurk, as people put it, so you can kind of see what's going on and what people are saying. And if you want to comment, you can. If you want to tell us about a particular book, 
that you've read and uh, that you liked or you thought was very helpful in defending the Christian faith, you can do that. Uh, another thing that people have done is they've said, I, I've run into this book uh, that criticizes Christianity, and I'm wondering if anybody here knows anything about this or knows of some good resources in response to this. So we, we also look at that. Now, this Facebook group, we started at the very beginning of the year, so just over seven months ago. We're approaching 500 members. We've got about 475 members. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, not everybody's posting every day. Uh, if you are if you join this group, I don't think you're going to find it overwhelming because we don't have, you know, 50 people posting in a, in a day or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's a fairly quiet, uh, very peaceable, very civil group. Uh, I'm very happy with the way it's gone, actually, because we've had some very nice interaction, even on some controversial topics. Mm-hmm. It's been very cordial and very civil. And that's very important to me. We, we won't tolerate, uh, you know, Christians uh, sort of slamming each other or, you know, you know, being being unkind uh, and, and that sort of thing. So we we diligently watch out for that. And um, <clears throat> but anyway, it's the, as I say, it's about 475 members. And it, you know, all you have to do is go to Facebook and search in the search bar for Apologetics Book Club, uh, and you should be able to find it. Mm-hmm. So why do you think a group like this is necessary? I mean, don't we apologists already know about all these great books and such? Well, the, the group isn't just for apologists. It's for any Christian who's interested in apologetic uh, mm-hmm. and would like to know uh, something about uh, the various books that are out there. And so we have people in the group who are seasoned Christian apologists, and we have many people in the group who are not, uh, but who are interested and want to know more. Uh, what we try to do is we try to have a mix. Well, we don't even have to try. We just naturally do have a mix of posts about books that most people have heard of the author and maybe have even read the book, uh, and other books that may, most people have never heard of the author mm-hmm. or the book. So, for example, our first month, uh, we, we highlighted uh, the book C.S. Lewis's famous book, Mere Christianity. And we had a number of posts about that, and various resources about the book, and things like that. Other uh, months, we've talked about different subjects and various books relating to a particular topic. Um, so it's it's a place where people can come and get informed about Christian apologetics and about books, particularly on apologetics issues, uh, in a very non-threatening and, and safe way. I also want to stress at this point before we go on that you're listening to Deeper Waters podcast we've got Dr. Rob Bowman on but if you're here with us next week we're going to have uh, Ken Sampers on him before we we had him on before but we had some audio difficulties and we think we got those worked on but we're going to have him back on again to discuss his book Classical Christian Thinkers which is probably very much in line with the Apologetics Book Club so if you're well, interested very much yeah Ken is a very good friend of mine, Mm -hmm. and you're right, that book really highlights a a number of Christian authors and their books, Mm -hmm. uh, introduces Christians to uh, some classical Christian thinkers, and uh, Ken is very knowledgeable about uh, people like Augustine and Aquinas and uh, Pascal and people like that. And so he introduces them for a general readership of Christians who are interested to know 
what some of the great Christian thinkers in the past have, have written about. And so it's a very nice, it's not, not a very long, heavy book. It's, it's, um, it's a, a nice introduction for those who would like to become familiar uh, with some of the great Christian thinkers uh, of all time. how you also said something about discussing bad books because I don't know about you but sometimes one of my greatest joys in life can be opening up a book by an atheist meant to discredit Christianity and just laughing at all the bad arguments I find bearing fist passes for intellectual rigor and such it, it's mind-numbing to me but there's something amusing about it still well and what's ironic about it is very typically these skeptics uh, uh, you know sort of wrap themselves in the cloak of rationality and scholarship and intellectual honesty and integrity and deprecate all Christians all religious people even, as uh, you know mind-numbed uh, anti-intellectual uh, you know dogmatists mm-hmm. Uh, and yet it's the uh, atheist uh, who is extremely dogmatic with regards to his materialistic uh, worldview. Mm-hmm. No miracles allowed. Even if a miracle theoretically might have happened, we're not going to admit the possibility of knowing it happened. So you might as well just say that they can. Uh, and, and this kind of uh, dogmatic metaphysics is bad philosophy. It's bad science, and it's not sincere rationality. And so, yeah, uh, we need to challenge that. Uh, Christians need to learn not to be afraid of the new atheists, because mm-hmm. the new atheists are just saying the same things as the old atheists, just more stridently. I'd actually disagree with you a little bit. I think the old atheists actually could have had some substance to them and could actually make decent arguments. The new atheists are a huge step down from the old atheists. In some cases, that's true. Yes, in some cases, that's true. Honestly, it seems to be more and more like with so many atheist books coming out, especially now when you've got self-publishing on Kindle, it's like, it seems like it's saying, okay, (laughs) can't... Can I top this other atheist in making the dumbest book ever on atheist apologetics? And I, I, there are so many times I've been I am so glad I have Kindle highlighter on my Kindle because if I had to use a regular highlighter, I'd be having to go to a store and buy highlighters in bulk entirely. <laughs> well, uh, John Ward Montgomery, uh, decades ago, wrote an interesting and important essay on the. Uh, kind of the bibliographical uh, uh, 
dogmatism and exclusivity of liberal and skeptical scholarship. And he talked about the fact that if you're a liberal or an atheist uh, or some kind of skeptic and you're criticizing the Bible, you're criticizing Christianity, uh, you are uh, supposedly uh, under no obligation uh, to show that what you're saying uh, is actually true mm-hmm. uh, by in seriously engaging the evidence presented by Christians or by uh, believers in God. And so very often what you have is, uh, uh, now th- this has changed somewhat because evangelical apologetic scholarship has become so widely known that it's become almost impossible for the, the skeptics to avoid addressing it. But they do so selectively. But it used to be a uh, routine, and still is in many publications, that uh, scholarship that doesn't agree with the author's skeptical perspective is just ignored. And uh, I just saw another example of this the other day. Uh, uh, a couple of books on the Apostle Paul discussing what we could know about Paul simply rejected out of hand the book of Acts as a historical source of any significance for knowing anything about Paul's life because supposedly it's been it's settled that the author of uh, that, Luke, that Luke didn't write Acts and it was probably written sometime in the second century and the author didn't know anything about Paul except what might have been in his letters if they even admit that he might have known that but actually that they usually don't say that because they generally know that that isn't true either. It's obvious from reading Acts that the author did not make use of Paul's epistles, and that's something of an embarrassment if you're going to put Acts in the second century. Mm-hmm. But these people just ignore the work of scholars like uh, uh, Craig Keener or Colin Hemer or any of the other uh, scholars of the past uh, hundred years, really, who have uh, produced mountains of documentation uh, showing the very careful a factual, a detailed accuracy of the book of Acts. It's just ignored by these people. So, so for example, Karen Armstrong's book on Paul, uh, she doesn't even mention any such authors. They don't exist uh, in her treatment of the issue of the book of Acts. And that's very common. So, uh, you know, whereas your typical Christian apologetics book is very concerned to address what skeptics and liberals are saying about the Bible or about whatever the topic is. They want to address those issues head on, and so they will talk about those uh, authors that disagree with what they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was reading about the mountains of research being done. For, yeah, Craig Keener has written the mountains of research all on his own, actually. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, he has uh, four, it's four volumes, uh, but if the print was in normal size, it would be eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a monumental work of scholarship, and um, and it's not just a lot of filler. I mean, he has amazingly significant detail and analysis uh, of the entire book of Acts, and it's it's not fluff. It's, it's meaty, uh, very solid scholarship, and... If you're going to be a skeptic today about the book of Acts, you have to take Keener seriously. Otherwise, uh, it's just a laugh. Mm-hmm. Something I always do when I get a book 
Man, I feel this for most of the time I do this. Sometimes I reach a point where now I don't even bother us. I go and I check the bibliography immediately. Right. I want to look and see, yeah. did you interact with the best material? And I'll do the same with Christian books. If Christian offers, don't do this. And I'm talking about Christian authors writing in projects. I'm not talking about people writing like devotion or material, things like that and such. If you're writing in a projects and you are not interacting with the other side, I consider it a bad book. I wrote a blog post once with the shoddy research of a new atheist, but I looked through the books that were out then by the new atheist and looked at how many sources they saw that really disagreed with them. It's minimal. It's that disturbing, really. It becomes an echo chamber, as it were. Right. Well, this is one of the reasons why uh, I started the Apologetics Book Club. There, uh, on the one hand, we've talked about the fact that uh, too many Christians are reading too few apologetics-related books. But on the other hand, uh, in a sense, we have the pro- problem of almost too many apologetics books. There's mm-hmm. so many books on topics at least relevant to Christian apologetics, there are so many books out there uh, that people need some guidance. They want to know, well, what's the best stuff out there? Uh, what What's helpful? How can I discern if a book is useful or not, or informative or not, or accurate or not? So uh, we've tried to encourage people to share their uh, experiences, their, their perceptions of books after they've read them, uh, we've we've provided some uh, references to good books on subjects. Sometimes people will just ask, "What's a good book on X?" You know, and then we'll we'll have some input on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a helpful uh, aspect of what we do on the Apologetics Book Club because that way, people who don't know what's out there or realize, gee, there's an awful lot of stuff that's been written about creation and evolution or about the reliability of the Gospels or whatever, what's some of the best stuff out there? And then they can get feedback from people on that, and that's, that's helpful to everybody. We had JP holding on beginning of June to talk about this kinds of questions, such about how to do good research and such. So I asked you one of the questions that I asked him. How can you recognize a good book that you should read other than the words by Rob Bowman on the front? <laughs> Well, that, that's a dead giveaway that it's not going to be very good, is it? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think there are some things that you that I look for that I will... And a book doesn't have to have all of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if I'm looking for to really learn something from a book, uh, these are the things that I'm going to be looking for. First of all, I'm going to look at the table of contents and see if it covers the subject matter that I actually am hoping it covers, because the title alone may not tell you that. Mm -hmm. So I want to look at the table of contents and see uh, what subjects the person is actually covering, and I want to see if it looks like uh, he or she is covering those subjects in an informed way. And often you can tell from the titles of the chapters. Another thing I will look for, and you have already mentioned this, is I will look at the bibliography or the footnotes or the endnotes of the book, and I will try to find out, has this person done a substantial amount of research? Are they engaging with good resources? If I pick up a book that was published in 2018, but the uh, most recent book that it cites on a particular subject was published in 1975, 
I'm a little concerned because I'm wondering, well, is this person really keeping up? Uh, are they really engaging, you know, the current wave of scholarship on this subject? Jesus, Memphis' literature is But our understanding grows as time goes by. So I look to see if they're on the cutting edge in terms of the research they're doing. I look to see the quality of what they're citing. If, if I pick up a book and it's just constantly quoting the same three or four authors, if on the evangelical side it's only quoting a certain a group of uh, you know extreme conservative fundamentalist Christians and that's the only people they're quoting and it's the same three or four or if I'm picking up a book by a skeptic and it's all it's you know it's just recycling Richard Dawkins and Richard Carrier and people like that mm -hmm. uh, or uh, you know their their whole view of of the New Testament seems to be based on uh, the Jesus Seminar. Uh, you know, I don't need to read that because it's just recycling other people's stuff. Uh, so I look for that. Uh, I look at the endorsements, and these may be on the back cover or they may be in, at the front of the book before the title page or somewhere like that. I look to see who's endorsing the book. and. <clears throat> Uh, if, if the endorsements come from people that I can recognize either because I know who they are or because of the, the information that we get about those endorsers, uh, from people who know what the subject matter is all about and, and know if it's a good book or not, uh, if, if I like, if I impressed by those endorsements, then I'm more likely to consider the book to be potentially useful as a source of learning for me. Mm -hmm. uh, now these are all, you know, none of these is an infallible test, uh, but and they don't all have to be there in the same book. Uh, but if, if none of these are promising, I'm probably not going to bother with the book. Another issue, and this comes up a lot now, and I, I think it might be helpful to address this. There are a lot of books that are self-published or that are published by uh, less uh, noteworthy publishing houses, let's put it that way, um, and some of these are very good, and some of these are not. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I look at that, but I don't rule a book out solely because its imprint is lulu.com. You know, that might be an indication of a problem, but it might not be. The, perhaps the author was only able to publish it that way because uh, it's 900 pages long and nobody else wanted to publish a book that long, you know. Or perhaps because the author has decided to uh, self-publish this book uh, uh, and market it himself, and, and, and that's their strategy. Uh, but if everything else about the book looks good, <clears throat> that isn't a deal-breaker. But if everything else looks a little weak and it's self-published, I kind of go, huh, I don't know if I want to spend the time reading this book. I certainly don't think I want to buy it. Uh, and then I might pass on it. Uh, now, you, you can't do this infallibly. I mean, you can't know ahead of time before you read the book if it's good or not. But you usually have a pretty good idea based on these kinds of criteria. Yeah, I was about to say, I have some books that are self-published. That's where I've written or co-written. In fact, let's get to that a little bit because if you're listening here, I want you all to know that everything that we do is supported by listeners like you. So you can go to for deeperwatersapologetics.com there's a link on the side support for work of Deeper Waters Christian Ministries 
And you go there, and you click the link there, and you get taken to the Ministry of Risen Jesus. You're at the right spot. That's my in-laws, Mike and Debbie Lacona. You get in touch with them, or me and my wife, Allie, and you say, hey, I made my donation. I want to go to Nick Peters. I want to go to Deeper Waters. And we will get that donation. It is tax deductible. I do have some books that I have written. One, The Creed for the Ages, The Apostles' Creed and Today's Christian. Co-written, Defining and, con and Contextualizing Inerrancy. Two different books right there. Groundlets. Uh, look at the uh, work of D Dan Barker, who I debated back in March. Um, God and Natural Disasters, Christian Answers, Rich Generations Questions. And if you can't do any of these to make a donation, please just go on iTunes and leave a positive view of a Deeper Waters podcast. We'd love to see it. Hey, Deeper Waters fans, Sean McDowell here. I'm a professor, writer, and a speaker. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate and value the work of my friend Nick Peters on his podcast, Deeper Waters. He gets on some of the top guests in their field and asks them some great, practical, timely questions. I hope you enjoy and listen to the work at Deeper Waters and pass it on to a friend. Now, Dr. Bowman, do you have an um, organization or charity you'd like to see people donate to? Oh, well, thank you very much for asking that. Uh, actually, we're at a point right now where we're just uh, kind of putting into place the, um, the, uh, the paperwork for the legal paperwork for a new nonprofit ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Faith Thinkers, and uh, I think that that will be uh, in operation within about a month or so from now. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now, there's really no place to do that. Uh, but uh, maybe later down the road we'll we'll have that, and, and next time we we do something together, we can talk about it. But right now, it's just uh, in the works. <laughs> well, maybe it'll be together when you have your new book coming out, which I'd like to talk about on um, yes, Mormonism. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'll be very excited to talk with you about that book when it comes out. I'll, I'll be very excited uh, when the book is written. I still I'm still working on it. Yeah, <laughs> there. I, I like what you said about, you know, some of you have to ask if a book is worth reading or not. But you and I both know in this field, sometimes we have to read books that really aren't worth reading because people are talking about them and they want our responses to them. Well, that's another criterion that uh, I should have mentioned, and that is if a particular book uh, is extremely successful mm -hmm. and having an impact, then familiarizing ourselves with that book in order to address it, uh, it is something that we need to be able to do. So that's right. If a book is uh, very successful, even if it's very wrong-headed or very poorly done, if it's having an impact, uh, it might, you know, and it's in an area, subject area that we deal with, uh, then we're probably going to need to address it. Uh, and, and that means reading it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you're right. Sometimes we have to read things that aren't very good. But, you know, if millions of other people are reading it, uh, it's touching people somehow. It's getting, you know, their interest somehow. We need to understand what it is about the book that's making it successful. And we need to help people see past that to see the truth if the book is, in fact, um, teaching something or presenting something that's not true. 
And of course, those of us in the fear of our projects, we need to regularly be reading what we disagree with anyway. Uh, I mean, right. I, I said, if, if you're not reading things that you disagree with, you're pretty much just sitting in an echo chamber. And when I meet these kinds of atheists on Facebook and such, I always, I, I start getting mocking out of the way and say, yep, I mean, I know how it is. You gotta avoid that contrary thought. Uh, that could be dangerous. Yes, and I, you know, I think that um, to kind of uh, elaborate on that a little bit, uh, when I write reviews for uh, books, uh, for example, that I put on Amazon.com, if I review a book on Amazon.com, and it's not by an evangelical Christian, that doesn't mean I'm going to give it one star. Right. Uh, it, it's it's going to depend on the quality of the book, how well the book does what it claims to do, and whether uh, reading it was informative, illuminating in some way, even mm-hmm. if at the end of the day I disagreed with the author. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, a couple months ago or so, I gave a particular book by a Mormon author five stars, mm-hmm. uh, which is the most you can do on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I gave it a five-star review because I thought uh, he hit it out of the park. It was very well done. Now, uh, this book didn't happen to be, you know, kind of a defense of Mormonism. I think it would be difficult for a Mormon to write a five-star book, in, uh, from my perspective, like that. But it was an historical study, uh, and it was very well done, and very good information. I disagreed with the author on some things, but that doesn't mean I'm going to downgrade the whole book. Uh, so what I would like to see, and of course I, I'm sensitive to this because I've had a number of my books uh, trashed on Amazon by one-star reviews by people who never read the book. Right. Uh, and where this really happens the most is with the books on Jehovah's Witnesses. I have four books on Jehovah's Witnesses, and every single one of them, as I recall, uh, there are a number of reviews, uh, one-star reviews by people who make it quite clear by the way that they comment on the book, that they haven't read it. Uh, Usually it's typically a one or two sentence uh, 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 attack. Uh, Don't listen to this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, You know, typical, uh, you know, uh, anti-witness trash, you know, this kind of thing. Don't you Uh, wish Amazon would do something about those? You know, it it really uh, disturbs me that uh, they don't have... They obviously just don't have the manpower to do that adequately. But uh, th- that is a reality. Uh, it's something that we have to fight. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But I, I, the way I want to fight it is by setting a better example. So I encourage Christians mm-hmm. to, when they're reviewing books, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like uh, what uh, Doug Groteis calls the, the golden rule of interpretation, which is to interpret other people's books as fairly as you would like them to interpret yours. Mm-hmm. So I want I want us to be accurate and fair-minded in the way we respond to other books. Mm-hmm. If it's just a terrible book, we can say so. Yeah. Uh, if it's a very well done presentation of a viewpoint with which we disagree, we should say so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's nothing to fear by by doing that. Uh, we're not giving anything away by saying, you know what, I don't agree with this author, but boy, he did a great job making his case 
from his perspective. Uh, he landed some punches. It was very well thought out, you know, very well researched, very well written. You know, we can say those kinds of things about somebody's work, uh, even if we disagree with it. And doing that uh, is simply, it's not that we're doing it for any personal gain uh, or to make people think nice of us. It's just a matter of personal integrity. I'm not going to lie about what somebody else has done. I'm not going to lie about their book. I'm not going to just trash it because it's in my polemical interest to do so. I want to respond to it in a measured and fair-minded way. And if they don't treat my books that way, that's their problem. I, I can't help that. But I'm going to try to do the right thing. And I think the more of us who do that, uh, the more likely it is uh, that we will sort of build up the intellectual moral capital uh, with critics of Christianity to say, hey, these people are fair. They're trying to engage what we're saying. Uh, they're listening. And if we, if we do that, um, then we have a better chance not only of getting them to listen to us, uh, but of being better equipped to be able to share the truth with them. Because we're listening to them and we're understanding them and we're engaging what they actually say rather than just reacting in a knee-jerk fashion. And I'd say someone who I think does the exact opposite of what you just said would be whenever you read a book review by Richard Carrier, sometime. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the case. Yeah, back last year, and I think it was February, Mike Lacona did debate Bart Ehrman and being a sonar to keep up on research and Bart had had a book came out just that month, maybe like a couple of weeks before the debate, the, uh, the triumph of Christianity. I got it on Kindle and I had it read before the debate started because I, it was really important for me to go through and say, hey, here's might be something that Mike could use in this debate here. Such so didn't find anything, but I was through and I try and read Bart Ehrman books as soon as they come out, because that's relevant to my field. And I, I also try to be very fair of his books. I, I don't think he makes his case very well, but at least it's not like reading someone shrieking at every single thing Christian and such. I, I think he tries to be fair, and, you know, sometimes liberal scholarship, dare I say it, actually makes good points about things, and we should consider that. Well, that's right. I, I did a review of Bart Ehrman's book, How Jesus Became God. And in that review, I made the point that Ehrman uh, agrees uh, with so much of what Christian apologists say about the Gospels and Jesus that it dismisses 90% of what we hear from skeptics. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he acknowledges Jesus really existed. The Gospels are for better or for worse, our best sources of historical information about Jesus. Uh, you know, Jesus really died on the cross. He, he didn't just pass out or something. I mean, it goes on and on. And if we could just get atheists to agree with what Bart Ehrman says on those things, we'd be, you know, three-quarters the way around uh, the diamond field, because he does such a great job uh, of, uh, of acknowledging so many of these points. Now, of course, he ends up denying certain facts that are very important uh but uh you know we, we should give credit where credit is due and acknowledge that ehrman does not uh, engage in the kind of uh, silly uh you know historically uh, uh fractured scholarship that somebody like richard carrier yeah i, I someone's one of these jesus myths or something 
when they right. saw Bart Ehrman and was like, you know he wrote a book called Did Jesus Exist? Where he wrote the whole book to defend the fact that Jesus exists. Are you aware of that fact or not? <laughs> right. Hmm? Right. And as so, a- um, that's right. And if we don't give credit where credit is due, uh, then uh, to me that just shows that we're not trying to learn Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're just trying to react and trying to justify ourselves, and we have we think we have something to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a Christian friend who was approached by a, a young Christian who had a lot of doubts, and a lot of these came by reading Rich, uh, Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. So he said, let's sit down together with that book and let's start going through it mm-hmm. together, and let's look at what Dawkins says, and let's really see what we can find out just by examining uh, his arguments and, and, and hearing them out. After uh, you know some hours of, of doing that, this uh, young Christian uh, was satisfied that uh, Dawkins' critique of Christianity was not valid, and this person became much stronger in his faith. But he wouldn't, that wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. if he had been just told, just ignore Dawkins, just throw that out, you know, Just have faith. don't listen to those people, mm-hmm. you know, that would not have, that would not have helped that individual. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Bowman, our hour has, is coming to a close right now. It's always great to have you on. Definitely look forward to having you on to discuss this new book when it comes out, but until then, do you have a blog, website, email, where people can get in touch with you if they want to find out more? Uh, the the, uh, the the best email uh, right now for people who would like to get in touch with me is rob at robertbowman.net mm-hmm. rob at robertbowman.net and that's uh, uh, b-o-w-m-a-n dot n-e-t mm-hmm. and uh, that's how they can get a hold of me and if they want to find the Projects Book Club again how do they do that? Uh, just go to Facebook and in the search bar type Apologetics Book Club and you should be able to find it very easily. Mm-hmm. Right, do you have uh, any final thoughts you'd like to leave Dave for the Deeper Waters audience? Well, uh, Nick, thanks very much for having me. I would like to just invite people to visit the group. Again, uh, this is an opportunity for you to learn about uh, good Christian books on a variety of subjects in defense of the Christian faith, uh, not just the defense of it, but in the understanding of it, uh, because the, really the key to, to defending the Christian faith is understanding it. Uh, you can't defend something you don't understand, that you don't know. And so uh, one of the benefits of apologetics uh, is that you grow in your understanding of what you believe. It's not just about defending our right to believe it or defending us being reasonable in believing it, as important as those things are, but it helping people to understand what it is that we believe. Because in understanding what we believe, biblically, historically, factually, a lot of the misconceptions and a lot of the objections to Christianity fall by the wayside simply by getting a more accurate and detailed and factual understanding of what it is that Christianity teaches, what it is the Bible actually says. Most of the attacks on the Bible end up uh, being 
hermeneutical problems. I mentioned hermeneutics earlier, the science of interpretation. Many, many of the attacks on the Bible come down to this, that somebody has misunderstood what the Bible says. And so apologetics, from my perspective, is largely about understanding the Bible better. Mm -hmm. And what Christian would not want to do that? So let me just invite people to visit Apologetics Book Club at the Facebook uh, 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 group site and uh, and become part of that conversation. You know, let me also add that if you want to try and say you're not a reader, well, if you're on Facebook, you're already a reader. You're just reading very short stuff. That's right. <laughs> well, and you can read books in, in small packages, in small bits. You know, that's one way to get through a book. So it can be done. Well, Dr. Bowman, thanks for coming by here again, and I do look forward to next time. Thanks so much. And I'd like to remind everyone that next week we're going to have Ken Samforth back on to talk about his book, Classical Christian Thinkers. For now, I'm Nick Peters, and I'm signing off. <laughs>